Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of correspondents from around the world. And Mon Zhang coming up in this edition. Niger's military has detained several senior politicians after it seized power last week. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas says Palestinian factions have agreed to begin a new reconciliation process. And 11 people are dead following intense rainfall in the Chinese capital. Starting in Asia, authorities in China say 11 people have been killed following intense rainfall in Beijing. Heavy rains and flooding have affected more than 40,000 people in the capital city. Rain has eased in northern China, and authorities have downgraded alerts for rainstorms. Other parts of the country, including Hebei, Inner Mongolia, and southwest Sichuan province, will continue to see heavy rains. Joe Willis has more. The Chinese capital and its surrounding areas were drenched over the weekend. It is the first time since 2011 that the city has issued a red alert for heavy rainfall. Weather authorities report that an average of 170.9 millimeters of rain fell on Beijing between Saturday night. And Monday evening, roughly equivalent to the average rainfall for the entire month of July, the rainfall has isolated low-lying areas, washed away cars, and flooded subway stations. In the capital's Fengchang district, Dashuhe Bridge was submerged by water, and some 30 kilometers away, another bridge collapsed due to flooding. More than 31,000 people in high-risk areas of Beijing have been evacuated, and police officers were stationed close to flooded areas to usher drivers and pedestrians away from unsafe areas. We have already persuaded more than 50 people to return to safer areas. The road is now closed, and the rain is very heavy here. We will continue our flood prevention work to ensure the safety of the people and their possessions. In the neighboring Hebei province, firefighters braved the harsh conditions to rescue a trapped man in a stalled car after the driver attempted to ford a flooded road. Authorities have urged residents not to go outside unless necessary during rainstorms, and called for efforts to guard against possible disasters such as mountain torrents, landslides, and mudslides. Meanwhile, another typhoon is intensifying. Meteorologists say Kanun will enter the East China Sea on Wednesday. It has already brushed past the Philippines. Gretchen Mollard reports. The Philippines is still reeling from the effects of Typhoon Doxora, which left more than a dozen people dead and over a million Filipinos affected. Now, Typhoon Kanun has intensified and it has accelerated over the Philippine Sea. I'm here in Malolos, Bulacan, in the village of Katmod. From where I am standing right now, it's only knee deep. But as you go further,、uh, the houses here. Are flooded up to chest deep. Residents here are still trying to recover from the aftermath of Typhoon Doxuri, but the threat of monsoon rains by Typhoon Kanun has even made the floods here higher. The river here has overflown and inundated the houses in this village. My kids are with my mother-in-law because we don't have any place to sleep because our house is flooded. Our situation now is so difficult. 
We also haven't worked in days because we can't leave our families like this. Our situation is hard. It's so difficult to keep all of our things dry and put them on a higher place in our house. Our appliances are heavy. We also need food and clean water. There's damage to agriculture and around 14,000 individuals were displaced. But it's not only here in Bulacan that has been badly affected by the typhoon. Several provinces in the northern Philippines. That was Gretchen Mullalot reporting. Moving on to Europe. Moscow Mayor Sergei Sobyanin says Russian anti-aircraft systems have downed a number of drones targeting Moscow, but one struck a skyscraper hit days earlier. Ukraine says at least six people were killed and dozens were injured in a Russian missile attack on the city of Kriviri on Monday. Meantime, officials say two people were killed and six others injured in Ukrainian strikes in the eastern Donetsk region. Dasha Chernyshova reports. Russia calls the drone attacks against Moscow an act of desperation that proves Kyiv is using terrorist methods. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Kyiv was largely unsuccessful in its counteroffensive, and the Western spending in Ukraine has not yielded the desired results. The Kremlin says it will press on with special military operation in Ukraine to make sure Russia is safe. In Russia's Bryansk region, which borders Ukraine, a drone hit a police station overnight. No casualties were reported. Russia's Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu said Kyiv is carrying out terrorist attacks on civilian infrastructure in the cities and towns of Russia. He added that in the current situation, additional measures have been taken to increase protection against attacks from air and sea. Shoigu also said that the Western weapons supplied to Ukraine will only prolong the duration of the conflict. In his estimates, Ukraine lost over 20,000 servicemen and over 2,200 units of different military equipment in July. Earlier, Russia's former president, Dmitry Medvedev, said Moscow would have to use nuclear weapon if Kyiv's ongoing counteroffensive was a success. Kremlin said it would follow Ukraine talks in Saudi Arabia aimed at ending the conflict, but noted that at the moment there was no prospect of a peaceful solution. Moscow says Ukraine does not want and cannot want peace, and it is being used as an instrument in the fight of the collective West against Russia. That was Dasha Chernyshova reporting from Moscow. Still in Europe, France is closely monitoring the situation in Niger after protesters attacked its embassy in Niger's capital, Niamey. French officials said in a statement that no lethal force was used by French security forces, as claimed by some military officials in Niger. Ross Cullen has more. The French Foreign Ministry on Monday did issue a statement in which it said that, quote, the French embassy in Niamey was violently attacked by visibly prepared groups which the Nigerian security forces failed to fully control. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, has said that there will be an immediate and decisive response if French citizens are attacked. Now, France is the former colonial power in Niger, and there's a lot at stake for Paris. The state-owned company Orano runs several mines in the country from which uranium is extracted, and that's crucial for France's fleet of civil nuclear reactors. France also has military assets in Niger, and there are hundreds of French citizens working in the country. For the moment, France has said it fully supports the diplomatic and economic pressure being brought to bear on Niger by ECOWAS, the economic community of West African states, the 15-member regional grouping, which is demanding the return of the democratically elected Nigerian president, Mohamed Barzoum. And France has also reiterated that there would be an immediate and relentless response if any of its citizens or assets are targeted. That was Ross Cullen reporting from France. In Africa... 
Niger's military has detained several senior politicians after it seized power last week. The officials arrested on Monday, including the ousted government's mines minister, the oil minister and the head of the ruling party. Two neighbours of Niger have warned that any military intervention would be a declaration of war on Burkina Faso and Mali. The African Union and the United Nations and the European Union have all condemned the overthrow of President Mohamed Bazoum. On Sunday, the president of Chad met with Bazoum and the military leaders during a visit to the country in an attempt to mediate. Ajek Mangat reports. The military coup leaders are arresting the uh, top politicians in the ousted uh, president's government, that's President Mohamed Bazoum. According to his party, uh, three more politicians uh, you know, were arrested, including the leader of the party uh, and also the minister of mines and oils. Uh, earlier, the, the military leaders had uh, you know, issued a warning to the ministers of the former uh, government saying that they needed to resume back to their duty post and to also release official uh, vehicles you know, for use in their various uh, ministries. Uh, the condemnation for this uh, particular coup you know, has been growing, especially in the international community and also regional bloc like the Africa Union and uh, the ECOWAS. Uh, the military coup leaders have warned against any use of force. They've also warned against any Western interference uh, in Niger. And they've said that they're going to use uh, aggression against any sort of uh, military uh, intervention and have accused France uh, of trying to intervene uh, militarily and also, you know, to try and, uh, and get uh, President Bazoum, who has been detained since Wednesday, out of Niger. The president of Chad, uh, Mahmoud Idris Debi, was part of uh, an emergency summit in Abuja. He was sent uh, to mediate uh, with the military leaders to try and find a peaceful resolution. He has arrived the country. He met with the coup leaders led by General Tiani, but not much uh, information has been given in terms of the outcome uh, of that meeting. But he has said that uh, the, the mediation is, uh, is expected to be peaceful. That was a Jack Mungat reporting. In the Middle East, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas says Palestinian factions have agreed to begin a new reconciliation process. Leaders of 14 of the most influential groups will create a joint committee to handle the negotiations. Egypt hosted the first meeting of the factions in three years as it tries to get the sides to agree on holding elections and creating a unity government. Adel Amouri reports. Egypt's Mediterranean city, New Alamein, hosted the leaders of 14 Palestinian factions in a conference headed by President Mahmoud Abbas. For years, getting this group together in one room had proven to be a major challenge. The fact that this time round they have agreed to once again resume a comprehensive reconciliation process is seen as a significant achievement for the Alamein talks. I consider this meeting an initial and important step to continue our dialogue, which hopefully will produce the desired results in the nearest possible time. Therefore, I call you to create a committee that continues the dialogue about the issues we discussed to end division and achieve national unity. President Abbas insisted that the committee's outcomes must abide by the Palestinian Liberation Organization's political agenda and international commitments. This includes agreements through which the PLO recognizes Israel as a state. 
Observers say that remains one of the main points of division among Palestinian factions. The most important positive outcome is that the Palestinian factions are finally meeting and that their dialogue will continue. There remain fundamental differences between each faction about how they perceive the Palestinian crisis. The concept of cooperation or coexisting with the other side remains to be an issue which Palestinians are divided over. Therefore, all factions must agree on how they can all deal with Israel. Three influential groups boycotted the Alamein talks, citing the PLO's political arrest of their members as a reason. However, one of these groups, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, announced its commitment to the outcomes of the talks as long as they will not restrain Palestinians' right to resist the Israeli occupation. Meanwhile, the biggest armed group, Hamas, demanded a comprehensive restructuring of the PLO so that it would include all factions and to create a new Palestinian National Council through elections. President Abbas thanked Egypt for hosting the meeting. He also showed gratitude to it and several other countries, including China, for mediating to make all 14 factions meet for the first time in three years. The Alamein talks showed that differences among the Palestinian factions are way more than the issues they agree on, which means that this is the beginning of a very complicated negotiation. That was Adel Al-Marui reporting from Egypt. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Niger's military has detained several senior politicians after it seized power last week. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas says Palestinian factions have agreed to begin a new reconciliation process. And 11 people are dead in Beijing after intense rainfall battered the capital city. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. And Mons Hang, thank you for listening. <laughs>